this time, we'll be moving into Luke chapter 10, verse 38. So if you can hop over to Luke chapter 10, um, verse 38, the title of my lesson is The Better Choice. Um, you know, we uh, everyone wants to make good choices. Um, uh, everyone wants to do what's best, make the right financial choice, marry the right person, pick the right job, um, subscribe to the right you know, newspaper, magazine, um, subscribe to the right, uh, I was thinking like media, uh, streaming service, you know, like, should I do Disney plus? Should I do Netflix? Should I do Amazon prime? Um, people want to make good choices. They want to make good, healthy choices. They want to pick the right food. They want to pick the right drinks. They want to, people want to live the best life they can. And, uh, here we have just a few verses, but we have a story about Jesus kind of teaching on the better choice. Uh, and we'll begin in verse 38, um, and I will read uh, here as we continue on. Jesus has just told the parable of the Good Samaritan, and he continues on now in verse 38. And he says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him as a guest. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he said. But Martha was distracted with all the preparations she had to make. So she came up to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all of the work alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. Mary has chosen the best part it will not be taken away from her. So this is one of my favorite sermons because it's so short. You know, we get a, in, in the book of Luke, as we preach through the book of Luke, we got to take big bites. So oftentimes I'm preaching through 30, 40 verses, but this one's nice um, because we get a chance just to look at just a few verses, but really zoom in on kind of what uh, Jesus wants us to know and what Luke wants us to know, why he included it in his gospel. Uh, a couple things to note here, as you can kind of tell there from the top, is that Martha was able to welcome Jesus as a guest. That means she had a house. So she's probably a widow, but she had property. She had a sister named Mary, and they welcomed Jesus. They invited Jesus over. Jesus has just sent out the 72. They are traveling. They are preaching the gospel throughout all the towns and villages. You know, And this awesome, incredible woman says, hey, listen, come on over, uh, and we're going we're gonna to give you some Middle Eastern hospitality. So they invite Jesus over. But what do you know? Martha is having to do everything. And lazy, lazy Mary, <laughs> from Martha's perspective, is just not helping one bit. Um, I kind of like this picture, you know, here it kind of shows you got one person uh, over there in the back doing all the work and then looking over, and then you got the other uh, listening and talking with the guest. Some of you may have felt this before, um, in getting the house ready for someone to come over for dinner. Uh, getting something ready, and someone else just you're thinking, man, why can't they just, why can't they just lend a hand a little bit and help a little bit? But it's an astounding story for a couple reasons. Um, namely, it's an astounding story because of what just came before this. If you remember, the parable of the Good Samaritan is all about religious people who know the Word of God intimately, but are not helping the guy on the side of the road who is beaten, bloody, and dying. The point of the parable being, hey, if there's somebody dying on the side of the road, do not 
neglect that person for the sake of religiosity, for the sake of the word of God. Basically, if someone needs practical help, help them practically. In the very next story, we have Jesus in someone's home, and you have someone who chooses to do the practical help, and uh, she's told that she's not chosen what is better. So it's confusing, right? Which one is it? Do we help the, with practical? Uh, do, we, do we go serve? Do we go out in the community and, and meet the needs of those who need help? Or do we focus on the, the word of God? And we're going to talk today a little bit about what the point is of this story and why Luke would tell it in the way that he does. You know, Martha's doing a lot of good things. She's using her home and her resources for the mission of God. Um, it's not easy. You guys know this. It's not easy. When someone visits Blue Ridge and they call and they say, hey, uh, we're, we're, you know, we're coming to, to Charlottesville. Is it okay if we stay with some disciples? It's not easy to have house guests, right? You got to get, it's, it's a lot of work. Getting the house ready, um, having people over uh, is not an easy thing. Martha uses her home for the mission of God, for Jesus. She's uh, exercising hospitality. She's making a meal. She's doing a lot of good things here. Um, we can assume, I got, we have no reason to assume that Martha has evil intentions. Martha is doing her best, trying to help. I think I remember talking to one of you in the church recently about how this story, you identify a lot with Martha. You're like, I feel like, what's, you know, I feel bad for Martha. It's like kind of what I like to do is, hey, we got to clean the house and get things ready and tidy up and come on, what are you doing? Like Martha's in the right here. Um, but, but it's obviously it's Jesus that, that has a couple things to say to her at the end of the story. What's wrong with Martha? Uh, you know, there's a couple hints in the text, um, is serving really worse than listening to the word of God? You know, uh, Martha's doing a lot of good here by serving. She's doing what she's supposed to do. She's meeting the expectations of those around her. It was very common for a, a woman to uh, be seen as, as her responsibility being, you know, the domestic the domesticator of the home and to be able to take care of things and clean and, and cook and all these things. So she, in a lot of ways, she's meeting the expectations of uh, society's, um, meeting society's expectations for her. In a lot of ways, she's thinks she's probably meeting Jesus's expectations for her. I mean, maybe she just heard the parable of the Good Samaritan and she's thinking, you know what I'm going to do when Jesus comes over? I'm going to take care of him just like that Good Samaritan took care of that guy on the side of the road. I'm going to make take care of all of his needs. The food is going to be awesome. It's going to be a fresh pita bread with hummus, diced cucumbers, uh, diced tomatoes. Oh, we're going to make a little uh, salad. Maybe it's like going to, you know, Mesa or Cava. We love Cava here in Charlottesville. Oh, beautiful. Maybe uh, maybe some of that spicy harissa sauce maybe she's making from scratch. It's going to be a fabulous spread, right, for Jesus. And she's excited maybe about putting on this, this spread for Jesus. But it's that's not that simple as we can see. Uh, things are not that simple here with what's going on in the story. And there's a couple hints. One of the hints uh, is that she says the word me in verse 40 three times. She says, Lord, help me. Tell her, tell my sister to help me. Why have she left me to do this all by my, myself? Martha is very focused on herself. Um, and she's very stressed. Jesus says, Martha, you are worried and anxious about many things. Uh, but Mary, only one thing. Martha is stressed. Martha is anxious. Martha is worried. It's not just that she's serving. It's that she's serving in a, in a very stressed 
capacity. Now, why is she so stressed? We can only guess, you know, maybe she's stressed because of things going on around her in the world. In just a couple of chapters, we're going to notice a story about some Galileans who were killed while worshiping at temple by the government. Um, we live in a, a place, right, at this time in history where acts of violence and murder by people who disagree with each other are not uncommon. Uh, but this is something that Martha would have been surrounded by. Jews who were just trying to go worship at temple were killed by the Romans. Uh, this was a national event. It was a huge deal. Um, tragedy, you know, in just a couple chapters, we'll, f- we'll learn about the, the Tower of Siloam that falls on many people and kills them. It's a, it's a tragic accident, but it's a huge deal. People dying on accident. For us, maybe it's dealing with COVID. A lot of things with COVID we can't control, and it can bring a lot of stress. You know, why is, why is Martha stressed out? Maybe it's these national issues of national unrest. Maybe it's, it's, it's economic issues. Uh, I don't know. I think that's probably less those things, and it's more so that I think she wants to please Jesus. You know, she invites Jesus over. She's excited about having him over. Uh, but she has a certain expectation of how the evening is going to go. And when the evening doesn't go the way she thinks it'll go, she becomes anxious about many things. That's amazing about this story is that Martha has wonderful intentions, but she seeks so much to control what's going on that she loses her peace. She seeks so much to have control over what's going to happen that she loses her ability to appreciate what is happening in front of her. And I think this is so, so, so common with many of us, because we do want to please Jesus. We do want to make God happy, but we want things to kind of go our way in a sense. And I'll tell you how I know. She she tells Jesus, Martha does, not just, you know, she tells, hey, Jesus, tell Mary to help me. She tells Jesus what he should say instead of listening to what he has to say. She wants him to know her plans instead of finding out his plans. And it's a, it's a very it's a very interesting dis, uh, discrepancy, a difference between both Martha and Mary. But Martha, she's got plans. She wants things to go a certain way, and she's telling Jesus how those things should go. And what is Mary doing? Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And the difference between these two sisters is Mary decides to sit at the feet of Jesus. What does it mean to sit at the feet? Well, it means to basically. Uh, listen to a rabbi, it actually it means to really become a disciple. Uh, this is a, a big deal for a woman to sit at the feet of a rabbi. Uh, not common at all at this time, but yet Mary initiates. She boldly sits at his feet. And, and it's, it's not, I think sometimes we think boldness has to do with taking control. Boldness, oftentimes, in Jesus's view, boldness has to do with giving up control. Mary initiates uh, boldness by submitting herself to Jesus's teachings. Uh, Martha, in an attempt to please Jesus, surely, uh, and it looks good. Hey, I'm just going to serve. I'm going to work. I'm going to do everything good for him. But at the end of the day, it's still her agenda, still her plan, still the way that she saw things going. Um, You know, and, and she is stressed out. She is worried. She is anxious. She is 
lost her peace. And anybody who's been in a home where somebody is anxious, you everyone feels it, right? You probably heard the saying, if mom ain't happy, if mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? Like if 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 there's someone in the home who's who's struggling, everyone feels it. You can almost feel the the tension there that night. As Mary tries to learn from Jesus, you can probably feel maybe Martha is clanging the dishes or slamming the cabinets or something, you know, or letting out very audible grunts of like, someone help me, you know, and we can all empathize with that. But I don't think it's so much what Martha's doing is what the, what's, what's bringing about in her heart. And it's that she becomes quickly frustrated because she's losing control the reality is, is that she is not submitting to Jesus's teaching. And I think this is, this is very common for us to, to want to please Jesus, but we want to tell him our plans instead of listening to his. We want to tell Jesus what he should say instead of listening to what he has to say. What, is Je- what does Jesus want us to do in our, in our walk? And this month, we're focusing on Psalm 119 for a reason. One of the reasons is, is it is Jesus talks about the greatest two commandments. He's trying to simplify things. Uh, we live in a world that just loves to complicate things. There's a lot of going on. Our, our world is full of clutter. Jenny was showing me this TV show yesterday where like this woman comes into your home and she helps you tidy things up and focus on things and get things, you know, minim, minimize things. And we just have so much stuff in our lives, so many things going on. And we think these things are going to bring us joy, happiness, peace. And they don't. There we have many things and we end up being concerned about many things just like Martha. We get too focused on these things. The goal of this month's focusing on Psalm 119 is to focus back on the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, mind, and soul. The challenge is at the beginning of the week to love others is the second commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. And as we go into the book of Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount next month, it's going to be the same thing. But we want to be able to, as a church, after a year of craziness where we have been concerned about many things, to come back and be just like Mary, who is concerned with only the one thing, who focuses it in. She's able to have that joy of simplicity, that single-mindedness of there is one thing that matters. You know, I think sometimes too often we look down on people. We, you know, the, the phrase simple faith sometimes our culture looks down on it or we use it almost as a derogatory term for someone to have a simple faith. But boy, how amazing is it to have a simple faith? How, how beautiful is it to be able to, to be able to just focus in on the one thing that matters and let everything else sort of trickle away? You know, you remember probably Matthew, um, not Matthew, uh, Matthew has the parable as well, but the parable of the good sower, the so, the seed sown among the thorns is distressed about the things of this world, the, the concerns of wealth, the worries of life, and it's choked. That same Greek word is used here to describe Martha. Martha has become choked by the worries of this life. And the poor girl, all she wanted to do was do a nice thing for Jesus. You know, it's kind of funny. Sometimes you want to do a nice thing for Jesus. You don't expect to get rebuked. You don't expect your heart to be exposed. But when Jesus comes into our life, he's going to expose. When we let Jesus into our hearts, he's going to expose. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Sometimes it's, it's not in the way you expect. But Jesus is trying to remind us of the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God and, and, and love your neighbor. 
It's a quote from Dallas Willard. Few people arise in the morning as hungry for God as they are for cereal or toast or eggs. And as we think about listening to God and hungering for God, we've got to get back to the word of God being central in our lives. And that's what this month is all about. How's it been going? How's it been going with your quiet times? How's it been going reading Psalm 119 as a church? It's been wonderful to see people share all that they're taking from it. You know, it's amazing how it doesn't take much of God's word to really affect your heart. It doesn't take much of of God's word to change you. And I was challenged. um, I can't remember if I had it in my own head or if Rashawn, if if I took Rashawn's challenge, I I'm inclined to think it was Rashawn who put it in my head last Wednesday. He did a great men's lesson and he said, listen, just start small. If it just takes five minutes a day of journaling, do that, but but do it consistently. And I, I was challenged by that. And I feel like I haven't really been listening to God like I should. I've been doing things for Jesus like Martha, but I haven't been sitting at the feet of Jesus. And so I made this, this 60 day challenge of like, okay, once a day, either a short prayer walk or a five, at least five minutes of journaling, right? Every day. And I made this this chart and I get to make it green if I do it and red if not. I, that helps me. You know, I want to see a lot of green. So so this little thing of I just want to get back to having a simple faith. I want to sit at Jesus's feet. I want to be able to be at peace. I don't want to be concerned about many things and running around and looking like a Christian when in my heart I'm anxious and worried and stressed. Right? And then sadly we pass on that to our children. Anxiety, worry, stress. We pass it on to our neighbors. We pass it on to our spouses. We pass it on to our friends, right? If, if, because we're not at peace. And how many of us just want that peace? You know, why is, it that, why is it that we have to sit at the feet of Jesus anyway? What is it that brings, you know? And this is a very kind of common analogy, but man, I just think it's pretty awesome. Uh, you know, when you try to put the sand in first, the rocks and pebbles don't fit. But when you put the rocks and pebbles in first, the sand can kind of fill in the gaps. And I think it's been easy to put the rocks and the pebbles in first in the last few months and in the last year. I think it's been easy to major in the minors. We've got to get back to the greatest commandment, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, strength, mind, and soul, to be able to prioritize his word at the beginning of every day. It is so crucial. It is the only thing, it is truth. It is, it is the baseline of the, every decision that we make it comes from the word of God. And there is nothing but stress and anxiety when you try to live your life to the world standards because, man, those are changing every day. I'm trying to figure out what they are, but they change quick. But to be able to have that consistency, that simplicity of just, it could be five minutes a day, it could be two minutes a day, but the most radical thing you can do is be consistent, to sit at the feet of Jesus, to be bold like Mary was, to take initiative, to sit at his feet and listen to him. And Jesus says to Martha, Martha, and it's great, it's it's called a double vocative. Jesus uses Martha's name twice, and it's a way in Aramaic of basically communicating emotion. Martha, Martha, like Jesus is feeling for her, right? Jesus isn't angry with Martha. Jesus isn't kicking her out. Jesus isn't throwing her to hell, right? He's saying, Martha, Martha, I understand, but you're just so stressed right now. You're so overwhelmed. And I just want you to focus on what matters. If the harissa or the hummus or the pita bread isn't quite perfect, it's going to be okay. 
right? But what matters is that you are at peace. You are at peace. And I think sometimes we read this and we go, oh, Drew, you're saying that I don't have to actually put much effort into serving. I just have to have a good quiet time and then I'm okay. And Dallas Willard also says, grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. I think the scary thing about this passage is that Martha thinks if she can put on a great evening for Jesus, that Jesus will be proud of her. Martha thinks that if she can make the best meal, Jesus will be proud of her. If she can be the best hostess ever, that she will please Jesus. But the thing is, is that I think we, we, we get sucked into this thinking that our performance is what's going to make Jesus proud of us, you know, and, and it's not the case. Jesus is already proud of us. And that's why the word of God is so important. Effort is, an, effort is powerful. Effort is not the opposite of grace. But are we trying to earn God, earn God's love? My, my challenge to do a journal every day, the risk is, is that I miss a day or miss two days. And then I look back and I go, well, might as well give up because I failed. No, that's not the point. God, because I had to block red in for one day because I missed a day, God is not going to go, you know what, Drew's out, baby. He's done. That's not the point. The, the point is that I have something in my life to help me get to a place where I can be at the feet of Jesus. And if I miss, I'll do two the next day, whatever. I'm not doing it for Jesus to love me. And I got to work through that in my own heart. I'm doing it so I can sit at his feet to know that he already loves me. You know, when we focus on the word of God, the word of God points us to Jesus. When we see Jesus, we can know grace. And when we know grace, we can have peace. I'll say that one more time. If we can read the word of God and know the word of God, we can know Jesus because all scripture points to Jesus. If we can know Jesus, we can know grace. If we can know grace, we can know peace. You know, Mary takes initiative. I love it. I love this initiative. I pray that we can take initiative like Mary does. Take initiative with Jesus in our lives. Come up with your own 60-day plan. Whatever you want to do, let it be teeny tiny so that it's super low friction. You can add on later. But what is it we're going to do to be able to make sure that you, not your family, not those around you, you and your relationship with God, that you can sit at his feet and have the peace of just listening to his teachings? What will it look like for you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. What will it look like this next week to do that? And it might just be the Psalm 119 challenge, and that is an incredible thing. Sometimes we aim so high and we get discouraged, but the performance is not what pleases Jesus, right? It is the submission, right? It's not the, the, the beautiful evening that pleases Jesus. It's the discipleship. This is what Martha was missing and what Mary got, but when we get what Mary gets, we actually become more bold. When we understand what Mary knows, we do more than we thought we would. Uh, because Martha, Martha's going to continue to struggle, you know, and, and I'll, show, I'll tell you why. Because in, in John chapter 12, we see these two sisters again. And you know what we see is Jesus right before his death. Nobody understands, not Peter, not uh, James or John. Nobody understands that what Jesus is going to do, that he's going to die. But one person does. You know who it is? You guessed it. It's Mary. Mary takes the alabaster jar of perfume in John 12, 1, and she anoints Jesus. 
for his burial. She is the only one who gets it. <laughs> In a lot of ways, she is able to love Jesus back more fully. I believe because she's been sitting at his feet. She's been, she's been listening. She's been sitting at his feet. She gets it. She's able to love more deeply. When we take initiative with Jesus in our personal lives, we take initiative with our children. Don't give up if your son is saying, I don't want to go to the church. I don't want to do Zoom. Take initiative in his life. Find out what he likes. Find out what he's interested in. Enter his world. Take initiative and don't give up on him. Don't give up on being able to help him see what what God is, who God is. If your wife or your spouse or your neighbor don't give up on them. Take initiative with them. Take initiative with your daughter. Take initiative with people who are like, no, no, no. Oh, well, she's 30 or, oh, she's already out of the house. I don't No, Take initiative with them in the same way that Mary, no woman was ever supposed to sit at the feet of a rabbi. But Mary goes, forget that. I'm doing it, right? If it's bad, he'll tell me. He doesn't. Let's take, what would it look like if we took initiative in our walk with Jesus and then took initiative in our walks with others? I want to encourage you, though, because being like Mary's tough. Mary's not perfect. We know. I know. You know, but you know, you know what's happening in that story in John 12? It says Mary anoints Jesus and it says Martha was serving. <laughs> right. Now, it says she wasn't anxious. So maybe she was actually in a much better place. And I wanted to quote Dr. King because, you know, it is Dr. King Day tomorrow. It's his birthday recently. He says, change does not roll in on the wheels of inevitability, but comes through continuous struggle. Right. Things are not going to change in us immediately. Martha, right, she continued probably to struggle. Did she choose what was better that day in John 12? I don't know. Maybe, maybe she has a great strength of hosting and she just had to figure out some of this stress stuff that was going on in her heart. I don't know, but I want to encourage you, church. This is not about today. It's not about tomorrow. It's not about the next week. This is about each and every one of us going to heaven. It's about each and every one of us on that final day before we die, hearing, hearing God say, well done, good and faithful servant. It's a process. It's going to take time. Don't give up. But if you can just make that tiny decision to sit at the feet of Jesus every day, even if it's just for a few minutes, to, to put the rocks and the pebbles in, to, to, to not put the sand in first, this is what will help us to be able to know what it is to sit at the feet of Christ. And even if we fail, even if we don't sit at his feet, we get caught up in the kitchen and we slam the cabinets and we're trying to make, trying to make the falafel nice and, you know, tender and juicy. Uh, actually, falafel probably shouldn't be juicy. Uh, but if we, even if we fail, even if we struggle, I pray that we can know that performance is not what pleases Jesus. Right? He loved Mary. Uh, he loved Martha. He said, "Martha, Martha." Right? Mary has chosen what is better. And I want to encourage you to never use the Good Samaritan as an excuse not to love and honor the Word of God. And never use the Martha and Mary story as an excuse to not love your neighbor. Luke puts them next to each other for a reason. They qualify each other. Yes, we should love our neighbor, but don't ever get it twisted. The greatest commandment is not love your neighbor. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, strength, mind, and soul, to love and listen to his word. Just as Psalm 119 says, you are my portion, Lord. Mary chose the better portion, right? You are my portion, Lord. I have promised to obey your words. I have sought your face with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. I have considered my ways and have turned my steps to your statutes. I will hasten and not delay. 
to obey your commands. Though the wicked bind me with their ropes, I will not forget your law. At midnight, I rise to give you thanks for your righteous laws. Let's go ahead and pray and we'll take communion together. Thanks for listening to the Blue Ridge Podcast. My name is Will Portillo. And if you'd be interested in more resources like this or connecting with us, visit us online at blueridge.church or connect with us on Facebook at Blue Ridge Church of Christ. Visit us on YouTube and subscribe for weekly sermons, encouraging news, and short devotionals. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time.